Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much again for joining me in our weekly online Bible study. For those of you who are regulars, thank you so much again for tuning in every week for this. And those of you who are perhaps listening for the first time, welcome to you. And uh, yeah, hope that you enjoy being part of our online community. So if you're wanting to find any of the other Bible studies that we've done over the course of the last few years, you would find them uh, on Spotify or on the Anchor app, um, and they are all there, a record of them over the years. But um, today I will be sending it out in two formats, as we usually do, one just a normal MP3 format, and the other one which will be on the actual app. So I invite you to use whichever one is convenient for you. Today we're going to go into a passage from the Old Testament, it is one of the readings that is set for this coming Sunday in the lectionary reading. Um, bearing in mind, we are still part um, or still sharing in part of our journey in Lent, um, moving up towards Easter, which is going to be happening in two weeks' time. So that will explain why some of the readings are chosen for this particular season. As you know, we've been dealing with a preaching series called A Path to Spiritual Growth, looking at some spiritual disciplines and so what we've been trying to do is to cover that and this Sunday is the last of our um, part in in our series um, and that is going to be on the spiritual discipline of guidance. So I thought what we would do is to have a look at this reading because I wouldn't be covering it on Sunday in part of the lectionary but I think as we read it together we'll see the tie-in that it, it has for us particularly in the context of Easter and Lent. So let's pray together and then I'll tell you where we can find our passage. So Lord, we come to you today. Uh, we ask that your spirit would be amongst us, each of us listening wherever we are in our homes or perhaps at the office or driving in the car. Lord, that your spirit would speak to us, prompt us through the words of the scriptures, and Lord, may we also not just be hearers of the word, but also doers. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, familiar passage all the way in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. For some of you, a well-known passage. For others, maybe one that you found a bit confusing. Um, some beautiful imagery. So while you're flipping back in your Bibles or wherever in your Bibles to Ezekiel, just to let us know that Ezekiel is a very interesting character. Um, he was one of the Old Testament prophets, was somebody who practiced what he preached. Um, he could definitely be called a street preacher and um, was well known over the 22 years of the exile in Babylon that, that he was there as a Jewish street preacher and called the exiles to repent, called the people of God to come back to the ways of God. They had found themselves in exile and had been taken away. This is around about 590-odd BC. And so he is given this gift, Ezekiel is given this unusual gift of these visions, um, sometimes really hectic object lessons, if you like. And so when he shares them with the people, they may seem a bit strange, but they actually really carry a lot of weight because you remember the vision or the object lesson, and so then you can tie in the spiritual truth with what he's saying. Now, this one is um, one that we may have even come across 
in sermons or even Sunday school. Um, maybe it's a little bit weird at times, but I think it's got a very, very powerful truth for us to hold on to. So it's called the Valley of Dry Bones, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 14, just that section. Okay, I'll read it from the New Living Translation first, and then I'll take us to a different translation as we go through it in a bit more detail. So I'll read all 14 verses now. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me around among the old dry bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to breathe into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke these words just as he had told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as they had been before. Then as I, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak to the winds and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke as he commanded me, and the wind entered the bodies, and they began to breathe. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army of them. But then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Now give them this message from the Sovereign Lord, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You will see that I have done everything just as I promised. I, the Lord, have spoken. So we have that image from Ezekiel. And uh, obviously there's a couple of layers to this, as I often like to do, is to kind of unpack the layers. The first layer would be to say that this word that comes via Ezekiel is to the collective nation of Israel. They are in captivity, they feel that all hope is gone, but God says to them, basically, I have the power to breathe into you again and to make you rise up from the ashes, from the dryness of the bones and to put flesh on you again. And that if you continue to follow me and to obey me and to walk in my ways, so I will be able to restore all that has lost. That's in essence what the word um, says through Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel 37. But also on another level, it would speak, I think, to the church, as we read it now in our own time, this this could be a word to the church, the church that may feel at times that we are lost, that we are scattered, that we also are dry, that sometimes we find ourselves in a world that, that seems that there's no hope, but that we remember that God is the one who gives life and flesh to us. And then lastly, I would say this speaks to us individually, 
Um, it would speak to us in our person that if any one of us feels that we are like those dry bones, that there is nothing left, that all hope is gone, God says to us, don't give up, but I can do a miraculous thing in your life. And so hold those three together, um, and then let's go through it a bit more detail, and, and we can hopefully get some words that we can live with in this, um, in this week. So, the hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel says, and he brought me to the middle of the valley. So this is, in his vision, Ezekiel pictures God leading him into the valley. And while he's in the valley, he just sees the whole valley floor is covered with bones, and they are very dry. Then God asks Ezekiel, in his vision, he asks him a question. And we, we can see that it's kind of a trick question, isn't it? He says, God says to Ezekiel in the dream, he says, can these bones come alive again? Can, can they become living people again? Now, this isn't the, the, the essence of the story, but I just imagine Ezekiel scratching his head and saying, Lord, I'm not sure how I should answer this, because if I answer no, maybe I'm not showing any faith. Maybe if I say yes, or maybe, then I think I'm too wise for myself. So in the end, Ezekiel has a very wise answer. He says to the Lord, he says, O sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. And I love it. Just this beautiful exchange. Ezekiel says, Lord, look, I, I could be forced to have a guess, yes or no or maybe, but I'm rather going to stick with the answer, and that is that you alone know. And so it just kind of creates a little bit of tension and the narrative leads us into the next part, coming to verse 4. Um, it says, Then God says to Ezekiel, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Um, prophesy means to speak. So speak to these bones. Um, say to them, Listen, hear the word of the Lord. And then God says to the bones in this dream, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And, and it's this, this um, if you like, this progression that God says, when you look at the bones on the valley floor, they look like nothing. They look like it's just uh, the sad reality of death. But God says, when I look at this, I see something different. And he says, I can make breath enter into the skeletons, the dry bones, and not just breath, but also attach tendons and flesh and cover you with skin and then put the life-giving breath um, into you. Now, in Hebrew, it's interesting that the word breath and the word spirit and the word wind are all related to the Hebrew word ruach, ruach, the spirit of God. And if we go back to Genesis, when God created uh, humanity, remember that God also breathed life into them, and that was the Ruach, that was the Spirit of God. So perhaps what Ezekiel is saying to the people of Israel is, remember that God created us, He created us from nothing, so God has the ability to again create us from nothing, and He can put His Spirit, His life breath into us, and we can be restored. So in the vision, Ezekiel prophesies, he, he says, as he was commanded, and as he speaks out to these bones, he hears a noise. It's a rattling sound, and one kind of almost imagine the scene unfolding, that the, 
the bones of the, the skeletons that are scattered all over the place suddenly start to join together, bone to bone. So it's not just one random bone to another random bone, but it's the bones that are meant to join together. Um, and I'm not going to embarrass myself now and tell you all the bones of the human body because I really am a bit clueless with that. But it's, it's all the right bones being connected to each other as if the body is going to be recreated. Verse 8, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So I just picture what happens is that all these, these loose dry bones around the valley floor suddenly are finding themselves together in a human body. And then before his eyes, Ezekiel sees that they are slowly covered with flesh and then tendons and then skin, but they still are a valley filled with lifeless bodies. And then God says that I'm able to breathe in them. And this comes in verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath or to the winds. Prophesy, O son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as, as God commanded me and breath entered into them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And so each time we see this, Ezekiel is being obedient to what God is asking him to do. In the vision, he is very, very obedient to what God is saying. Although logically he probably was struggling with this and saying, well, this doesn't really make sense, but he is obedient to it. And what he sees taking place is a miracle. And the miracle is also one that we if you want to tie in with our Easter story coming up, is, is that we remember that the suffering and the sorrow of Easter and the betrayal and the loneliness and the death of Good Friday is turned into the mystery and the miracle of the resurrection. And so that is why I say this Ezekiel passage is one that we can, can hold in tension with the Easter story, that God has the power to breathe life into things that seem like they are dead. The other interesting thing, if you read verse 7, 8, 9, and 10, is that it seems that this uh, recreation or resurrection of the skeletons to bodies to, to a vibrant, vast army also is in stages. And I'm reminded of that passage in one of the Gospels, and for the life of me now, I just can't remember the exact reference, but where Jesus heals the man who's blind, he heals him in stages. He spits into the mud and puts mud on his eyes and, and then he asks him what he sees and he just sees like blurry figures and then he continues in the healing process and eventually he can see clearly. And maybe this also can tie in with, if you think about this um, collectively for the people of Israel, is that they would be raised up as a mighty army and head back into Israel but that sometimes the healing and the restoration may take time. Um, if you think about this in terms of even ourselves individually, if you feel that your spiritual life is like a, just a dry skeletal bone at the moment, um, what we long for is the living water of God and the breath of life, and we want just suddenly to be changed in an instant, and that does happen. But often and, and more likely what happens is our renewal and our refreshing takes time. It's like you being healed from an injury. Um, if you, and I just 
comes to mind, for example, if you've had a broken leg, for example, or a broken arm, you have to wear the plaster cast for weeks. And then when your leg or arm comes out of that cast so slowly, you have to get the muscle strength back in and you use the arm or the, the leg again until eventually you're able to use it as you were using it before. It takes time. And so perhaps the season of refreshing and renewal that God wants to do in our life, it may take time. So perhaps just be a little bit gentle on yourself if it's not happening as fast as, as you would like. The, the miracle is that God does bring the refreshing. God has the ability through his spirit to breathe life into us. Verse 11 says, Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. So he's actually saying, he says, this is what it means. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Now that phrase is what the people who are in exile would be saying. We feel that our, our bones are dried up. We've, we've died. Everything within us has died. And our hope is gone. And we are cut off. So that's being cut off from their homeland. And that whole phrase of our hope is gone can, can relate to many of us in, in, in our current situation, in our own lives, or perhaps even in our country. We feel that our hope is gone. But then God says to Ezekiel, prophesy this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. So it's a play here. I mean, this, it, as I said, it sounds a bit macabre, but it's, it's a vision. It's a picture that God is giving to Ezekiel to speak a word to the people of Israel. Um, there are some people that may want to take it literally, but I see it as very much a metaphorical image that God is using to get people's attention because the purpose is to draw them back to God, to say, look, you've gone your own way, but now come back to me. I can do this for you if you just allow me to breathe my life, my life-giving spirit into you. And that picture here of I'm going to open your graves, it's just a I suppose another slight variation of this image of, of death. And the Valley of Dry Bones spoke about almost disgrace in some way. It, for, for most cultures to allow a body not to be buried would, would speak of disgrace. You know, there's always a treating the dead with respect. So he's moved from that image to one of saying that the the bodies, if you like, and I say that in inverted commas, of the people of Israel have been in graves. But God is saying, listen, I'm going to open the graves and I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back and I bring you back to life from, from where you've been taken back to your homeland. And again, I want to make a connection here with the empty tomb, that Jesus himself was placed into the empty tomb. We know that story. The stone was rolled across and... Um, the Romans and the Pharisees thought, well, that is it. Jesus is now sorted out once and for all. But the promise from God is, I'm going to open your grave and bring you up from the grave, which he does. And that, the resurrection of Christ, gives us the promise of not only eternal life, but to live with the breath of God within us, the Ruach, the spirit of grace, the spirit of life. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. 
And I think that's that emphasis in verse 14 is about saying, yes, that God will get the glory for what happens. Part of what has happened in the story of the people of Israel is they've turned away from God. They've said, God, we don't need you. God, we are strong enough. God, we've got kings. We've got armies. We've got all that we need. We know that you are around, but let us just carry on with our own lives. This, in Ezekiel's vision, is saying that what will happen will be so miraculous, so unheard of, so unusual, so incredible, that God will get the glory for it. And we, as the people of God, but the Israelites will be able to say, the Lord has spoken and the Lord has done it, and therefore we honor and we worship him. So friends, I'm, I'm going to just leave it there in terms of Ezekiel 37, but to ask us a question, and that is as we come to a close, is to say what part of this reading speaks to you today? Remember, it's a vision, it's, a, it's an object lesson, it's a dream, it's something um, that I don't want us to get too caught up in is to say, like, did this actually happen, or how did it happen, or can it happen, but look at it in the spiritual sense. I think that's, for me, a bit more helpful right at the moment, is to say that God sees us where we are, uh, God sees the potential in us, God knows that there are parts of our spiritual lives that are dry and empty, and that with God's help, he can breathe his spirit and his life into us. And so if that is something that you can relate to, then, then use this passage as part of your prayer. Say, Lord, yes, I can relate to this. I feel sometimes that my hope is gone. If you look at verse 11, I feel like I'm cut off. I feel like I'm not getting the life-giving water or food that, that you've promised and come back to God and just spend a few moments in prayer and say, Lord, please, would you revive me? Would you restore me? Would you just give me this life-giving spirit? And then what happens from that is once that happens, so we come together, so we are used as a, a person of God. I know the, the image of being a soldier for Christ is a bit problematic, certainly in the age in which we live where yeah, it's maybe not always a helpful illustration, but it does mention here in verse 10 that the people came together like a vast army. It's a picture, again, we can imagine, you know, thousands and thousands of people together with one purpose and one mission. And so we picture this for ourselves, that we could be part of the church uh, with our own giftings and our own purpose to work alongside each other towards the goal of, of being an obedient soldier Christ. But also the image of being somebody who is full of life, full of trust in God and willing to be a servant for Christ. So friends, that's all the time that I have for today. And, and this passage um, is a much loved passage. There are many other parts that we can delve into and I invite you to do that. But I pray also that it would prove a blessing to you wherever you are. Let me just pray for us, and then we can conclude our Bible study. So, Lord, we thank you for Ezekiel, who was a man on a mission, who was a street preacher of note, somebody who was able to use these vivid pictures to get our attention. And even though this was spoken two and a half thousand years ago, we can picture it, we can understand it, and, Lord, we can also relate to it. And so we ask that if any one of us today feels as if there's something within us that has died, emotionally or spiritually, 
that, Lord God, that you would bring that resurrection, that you would bring that healing, that you would bring that life-giving spirit. Help us not to remain in a place of hopeless, um, yeah, of just hopeless waiting or hopeless resting, but that, Lord God, we feel that you are the one who can renew our energy, can renew our strength. And so we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. I pray that you have a blessed week and that your Lenten journey continues to be a fruitful one for you. God bless you.